Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When a criminal court judge starts a running club on L.A.'s notorious Skid Row, and begins training a motley crew of addicts and criminals to run marathons, lives begin to change. Skid Row Marathon follows four runners as they rise from the mean streets of Los Angeles to run marathons around the world, fighting the pull of homelessness and addiction at every turn. Their story is one of hope, friendship, and dignity. The film is called Skid Row Marathon, and we're joined today by the filmmakers, director Mark Hayes, and producer Gabriel or Gabby Hayes. Welcome to Film School. Hi, Mike. Thanks, yeah, Mike. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about where this the story. Uh, I, I didn't even name the judge, and I do want to do that. Judge Craig Mitchell. Uh, judge Craig Mitchell is kind of the ringleader of this uh, the amazing, remarkable story. Uh, tell me a little bit of how you got to know Judge Mitchell and how. Uh, the story behind Skid Row Marathon, how that got going. Yeah, about four years ago, we read an article in the LA Times about this judge who started a running club on Skid Row, and um, we were really in- intrigued by it when we when we read it. So, because we lived downtown before, and we saw that there were so many homeless people living in the streets, and it seemed like a, a problem that is, I mean, so overwhelming, you can't do anything about it. And then we read about this judge and thought, oh, my God, he's doing something. And we went down to Skid Row and met with the judge, and he mm-hmm. said, look, you know, you have to run with us first and get to know the people, and, you know, I, I would be open to have, do a documentary about it, but you need, of course, the commitment of the, the running team and you know, and they are really in, in the early phase of recovery, and they're really suspicious of any cameras, you know, coming down there. Mm-hmm. So we ran with the the club for about a, a month, maybe a little bit over a month, and then started filming. Were were either one of you runners for fun, or did, I mean, do you run at all, uh, Gabby or Mark? I do run, yes. I run every day. I mean, not marathons every day, but I run like five, six miles a day. Which is insane, if you ask me. I mean, I'm not a runner. But I I would run as well with the group. And it's fun. Again, we we used to live downtown L.A. And, uh, you know, it's congested, this traffic. But the group runs at like we, we meet up. We ran this morning, actually, at 545 in the morning. We meet. And then you start running through downtown L.A. and you go over little bridges that go over the L.A. River, mm-hmm. which is really like a little puddle on cement. It's not really a river. But it's very beautiful, you know, in the morning. There's no traffic. The sun's coming up. I mean, the sun is up now because it's June. But uh, most parts of the year, you're, you're running at daybreak. And it's kind of nice. It's a nice way to start the day. And even though I'm really not a runner, I would do it. And, it, and, and you feel good, you know, after you run. You're hungry, or you can go for a nice breakfast. You, you feel like you're getting in shape. And, uh, and, and this is what I, I think the judge had the idea that if you could get people running and especially training them to run marathons, you know, 26.2 miles, 
that people are going to have to get into shape. And when you get into shape, you start feeling better about yourself. You have more confidence. You have high, you know more self-esteem. And he, I think he believed that if he could do that, he would uh, transfer, the, the people would transfer some of this discipline and, and uh, the things that they were getting from running into their own personal lives. Yeah, can I just inject here that it does feel like, I, I'm not much of a runner, I've won point in my life I ran a little bit but when you're running with a group of people there's something it's something more than exercise there's a certain reinforcing um sense of being in, in when you're running together with you know a group of people that you push each other a little bit either psych- psychologically and physically you're pushing one another and you're creating a bond with these people it, it, Gabby is that is that the sense you have when you're running with them yes i mean but the nice thing is about running, you talk about things, and uh, especially the judge. Um, you know, the runners come up to him, they trust him, and they talk about, you know, things they have going on in their lives and maybe need legal advice yeah. or, you know, need some help. And um, it, it really creates, you know, a friendship and camaraderie that really we, we developed over, you know, the years. Uh, I'll just throw this to Mark. Getting since you're not a runner, by, but it sounds like you do run with him. But was there some? Gabby, you referred to it earlier. Uh, sort of a, a sense of resistance, or was it uh, was it enough for the group that the judge kind of signed off on your commitment to this? What was that sort of? Uh, let's back up a little bit. What was that process like for you to gain the confidence of these different people in the film, Mark? You want to try them? Uh, okay. We, we ran with these guys for, I guess, for maybe a month. And when you're living on Skid Row or if you're in a bad situation, the last thing you want to do is have some people with a camera, you know, shining a light on, on some of the bad decisions maybe you've made in your life and, and you're, you're, you're down on your luck. This is not a thing you want to really advertise. So the runners and the running group, and the judge also. I mean, everybody was kind of skeptical, like, who are these people now want to do a documentary? And this is true, especially in a place in, like L.A., where there's cameras all over the place. You can't drive to lunch without seeing a camera crew, without a TV show being filmed. You know, we, we just came in a few minutes ago. There's, a, there's, there's probably 50 cars two blocks from here filming a movie. People are so jaded here, and they're very suspicious of people with cameras, because everybody's doing hit jobs and, and you know, uh, muckraking story. Nobody's interested, you know, and they're very, they're very uh, suspicious mm-hmm. if, you, if you have a camera. So we ran with them for, for weeks, really. And then when they started to trust us and understand that we were kind of committed uh, to, to this project, that they slowly started opening up a little bit. And, uh, you know, again, like... Gabby's the real runner. I, I would run each time, but uh, Gabby's pretty competitive. She was right at the front of the pack, and, you know, people would be having a little friendly competition and who's finishing first. And, yeah. you know, Gabby's run the marathons with these guys and has yeah. a very competitive time. So, and, and they like when people who are coming from the quote-unquote from the outside who take an interest in what they're doing and show up down – uh, you know, to this running club so early in the morning, it's a it's a big, you know, a big uh, a big ask. You know, we ran this morning, and we're up at you know five in the morning, 
around 2.30, you know, you're dying for a cup of coffee. You can hardly stay awake. You're so tired. <laughs> you know, so they appreciate the attention that they're getting, that you're, you're really taking an interest. And, and uh, again, it's, it's fun to belong to a club. Yeah. It's a running club. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to belong. It's like, you, you know, you might have a problem. You can talk about things. It's, it's like any other group that you, you, after the run, we hang out. Some of us go to breakfast. It's, so it's, it's, very, it's, it's, it's a very nice experience for us, and I think that they get a lot out of, out of it as well. You know, we're in a position sometimes to give people job advice. We know people that are hiring people, and we could kind of serve as like unofficial mentors, even though we're making the documentary. Right. If somebody, you know, we know people that are shooting things in different projects. They're always looking for people to be on a crew, and, and we've, we've, we've gotten one of the young guys – uh, a, a job on on some on some shoots where he makes decent money. He's he's getting some experience. So on one hand it's competitive, but on the other hand it's 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 a very nice uh, just convivial club that we belong to. Gabby, before I want to I want to ask you about Judge uh, Craig Mitchell and some of the people that are in the people that are in the film. But I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with. Mark Hayes, the director, and Gabby Hayes, the producer of this wonderful documentary, Skid Row Marathon. And it is going to be screening at the Los Angeles Film Festival on June 17th, so 12 o'clock at the Arclight Cinema in uh, in Santa Monica, you said? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, this is, again, part of the Los Angeles Film Festival, a terrific film festival, and congratulations uh, to you both for uh, for getting into the LA Film Fest. It's uh, Thank you. yeah, it's it's. Uh, by the way, it, it this is a um, it's a really nice documentary for a, a lot of reasons, but not the least of which is we have as sort of our our guide, our focal point in many ways, uh, a, a solid person. And you help me out, Gabby, here a little bit. He seems like a no-nonsense person, a compassionate person, but a no-nonsense person. How would you characterize Judge Craig Mitchell? I mean, first of all, he's a very humble person. Mm -hmm. Um, He puts others, you know, in front of himself. And, you know, he gives a lot of his time and energy to these people on Skid Row and, you know, trains them to run marathons. And he has a family of three, with three kids. I mean, it's He's really an amazing man. I mean, they're not young children. I mean, yeah, they're adults still. now. But yeah, he's got a. He has his own family, and uh, you know, he he makes a big commitment of time for the for these guys. And then after we run, you know, in the morning, I was complaining about getting up early and how tired you are when you're out there at five in the morning. He comes back. He runs back to the courthouse, sits on the bench all day, has to be alert and presiding over these cases. And, uh, you know, and he goes till 5 o'clock, and he's doing that day in and day out. He runs on Saturday with these guys. So it's, it's, it's a pretty big commitment. And then also to schedule and organize these overseas marathons is not easy. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, it, you know, it's not cheap. It costs a lot of money to get these people. You know, uh, we went to Africa. Yeah. We went to Rome. Yeah. We went to Vietnam. Next year we're going to Jerusalem, Jerusalem with a group of people. This is like a major expenditure of money, you know. I'm I'm surprised his wife hasn't changed the locks on the doors of his house. <laughs> you know, it's it's not easy. You know, it's not an easy thing. Well, he 
he again, I mean, I, I described him. He's a, obviously he's a man of compassion, but he is a judge. And the beginning of the film, we see him running in darkness uh, through Skid Row. He eventually gets to the courthouse, puts on his robe, and, and there's a clip of him sentencing a man to essentially the rest of his life in prison. So he has... He has quite a, and he talks about this in the film, this sort of finding this balance in his own life. He, uh, it, it's he's he's a he is a remarkable guy, and um, uh, it, it's great to see him uh, have have this sort of stature that he he has. Uh, he can go to people that are at, at, at the low point in their life, and and convince them that he also is dealing with his own issues. He, in the film, we find out he's dealing with a very painful spinal condition. And despite that, continues to do what he does uh, on a daily basis. So, a uh, remarkable man, and uh, um, you really warm up to him over the course of the film. You see that compassion come out in him. And I think that, you know, uh, he has a, a, a need, I think. This is my interpretation of his actions, that his day job is he's sending people, like you mentioned, off to prison, some of them for very long sentences and life sentences. And that's not an easy thing to do. That weighs on someone. And that he finds balance in his life uh, by doing something that he can kind of control. He can't control a lot of those sentences. Yeah. Those are prescribed by law, and he has to dish them out, you know. Uh, but in his, in, in his personal life, he's able to then put something back in spiritually, I guess, if you will, to help some of the same individuals that he's sentencing to jail. And uh, I think that he gets this this kind of balance back in his life by doing this. Gabby, I want to ask you as the producer, sort of what, what are the challenges uh, when you're making a film like this? Uh, you, you, I mean, there's the obvious, the sort of the physical uh, challenges of, of filming people as they run to the streets and following them in their own lives. And by the way, I do want to talk about David Askew, Ben Shirley, Rafael Cabrera, Rebecca Hayes, and Modi Diop. Diop, uh, yeah. Diop. Uh, they, they're, they're, I don't know how many people you filmed, and because I, I know that often in documentaries you sort of narrow it down once you're in the editing process as to the stories we end up following. But these are all very compelling people for very different reasons. But um, before we get to that, I just want to ask you, Gabby, as a producer, what are the sort of the physical challenges or the challenges as a producer in making a Skid Row Marathon? I mean, first of all, getting up very early in the morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that you do over a course of three years through filming. Yeah. So, um, so that was really hard. And then going back to work after you shoot on Skid Row. Right. Um, and then, of course, having the access to the people. What happens, you know, their lives change. And yeah. sometimes they're, you know, they won't let you know what's going on. And you have to kind of figure out... <laughs> Uh, okay, what's the next step in their lives? And then um, you get a phone call, like at one o'clock, said, "Oh, I'm moving out of the midnight mission. Can you you can come and film that if you want?" But come, stopping your work, yeah. running to the car, <laughs> going downtown in like 20 minutes is yeah, no warning. impossible. Say, when you know? are you moving out? Oh, in 15 minutes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> drop everything, jump in the car, camera, boom pole, light. You know, off to downtown, fighting traffic. And then we get there, and we said, you, you know, you think to yourself, couldn't you tell us 24 hours ago you were moving out? Yeah. You know, we're making a documentary. But again, it's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, you know. It's stressful. Yeah. They have their own lives. They're not, you know. Yeah. 
Well, it, it's funny. It, it, I, I would imagine it, it, it was it's sort of a process of convincing them that this is important. Uh, I, I often find that people don't don't always have the same perception of a particular project that I might have, and to convince them uh, is is not an easy, not often not an easy process. So, uh, but they're interesting people. Yeah, yeah. and again, I can't. Uh, emphasize enough for maybe students that are listening, access, if you're thinking about doing a documentary, access is really a very important thing. Yeah. If you can't get unfettered access to your subjects, forget it. Do something else. Mm-hmm. You know, we were lucky, but still a lot of times, the, the first year, the first year and a half, major things would happen, and, and you would find out later, so why didn't you tell us? Oh, I, I didn't think you would be interested, or I didn't know. I, you know, uh, mm. it was private, and this is always a struggle, like how to, you know, embed yourself basically in their lives, but without making the subjects miserable. Also, you right, know, right. it's a very fine line you have to walk, right. but you have to, you have to have that that access. And like the midnight mission, we had difficulty at the beginning getting access, going in there with cameras. They've had so many negative stories about the homeless, the missions, and all these things, that they're, they're very uh, sensitive to who's coming in and who's not. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, they, they, they realized that we were in it for the long haul, and they, they really then provided us with the access that we needed. But, but this, is a, this is a really, this is almost as important as Gabby's next topic to talk about, is, is money when you're a producer. But access, <laughs> you have to have that access. Yeah. Well, 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 Gabby, he, he yep. teed you up. Tell, tell us a little about, was this uh, crowdfunded? Did you get any crowdsourcing money here or to make this happen? Or you know, We had an Indiegogo campaign before we left for Rome, and uh, that was going to help, you know, to get, you know, some of the runners over there and, um, you know, a couple of crew members over there as well. So, I mean, it was just, you know, it was really, really hard. It was just very um, challenging to do that and, you know, keeping the campaign going, filming and giving updates. So it was really, um, it was really hard. It was just, you know. Yeah. I've heard from a number of uh, independent uh, filmmakers, documentary and otherwise, that people don't realize the level of commitment that crowdsourcing now requires because it becomes its own little beast unto itself where you want to continue to communicate with the people who have given you money or might give you money. So it becomes its own operation. And if you're not ready for that, I can imagine it could be uh, quite uh, quite daunting to get through, to just stay on top of it. Yeah, I mean, it was just maybe 2%, you know. Yeah. The, of our budget, budget, yeah, we got from crowdfunding. Oh, is that right? So, oh, it, just, it was nothing. nothing. Oh. And, you have, you know, okay. and look, it's, it's not an easy ask also. You know, like even some of my family members, they're saying like, hey, you know, you're taking these guys to Rome. They're drug addicts. They're, you know, yeah. they made bad decisions. Take, take us to Rome. We, don't, we want to go to Rome. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not easy. You know, it is yeah. if you've done these crowdfunding things. It's yeah. very humiliating to have to go out with your, you know, with a tin cup asking for money yeah. uh, for something that, you know, that you believe in, maybe that everyone else doesn't believe in. Hopefully after they see it, they'll think that we put their money to good use. I, I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. I do too. But it's, it's, it's so much work to do the crowdfunding. And they expect you to be, you know, posting every day, making little videos. It, you could have, there was, 
way easier ways to make money. Yeah. You know? Well, well, again, it, it it's it's been a, such a go-to uh, source of revenue for filmmakers. Sometimes I wonder if it's not tapped out in some ways, or sort of people have gotten. I don't know. I have no idea, but I know it's a. Di- I just know from other filmmakers, it's a difficult operation once you once you embark on it. It really is a a commitment and. Uh, um, but and it, and it can be quite successful, you know. Like there was a documentary called "The Wrecking Crew," yeah, uh, about these uh, Musician. studio musicians yeah. who played during the the '60s and the big hit days of of Mamas and the Papas and Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And that guy, he needed, I think, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to clear the rights for all of the songs that they used. He did a, a, a campaign. I think he got nearly 400,000. Yeah. So it can be phenomenally successful. Yeah. But we we just we didn't have that much luck with it. Well, I, but you're and you're also as you described, I mean you're there's sort of a a psychological cultural uh you know in, inhibition uh to to sort of well, these people are drug addicts as you said, just that kind of sort of initial resistance that people might feel. But I do want to focus on them uh Gabby, I I mean there are a number of different uh people that are the focus of the film uh, i'm going to be completely random and unfair to some of the other ones by saying that ben shirley is quite a compelling man in the film and given that he experienced some, uh, uh, some modicum of success earlier in life not a lot but at least some notoriety and then to see how far he fell and to see how he was able to really pull himself back together is um it's quite heartening as well as rafael cabrera um, and there, I mean, there's Rebecca, they're all really compelling stories, but, um, it just, go ahead. If there, if you're anybody else that you think I should sing aloud or, or talk about, feel free. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, you know Ben's story and Rebecca's stories, um, story as well is very, com- they're very compelling. Yeah. So is Raphael's, I mean, without giving too much away. Right. But, uh, it's just, uh, I mean, David, you know, everybody has their own, you know, Story, you know, David was, you know, and David was a very inspiring artist, and he he yeah. wanted, you know, to go, uh, have his own studio, and and he just, you know, to running, it, it just helped him, you know. To yeah, get... it is. It's really, it's truly. Uh, and again, that's what's inspiring about this. Uh, but before we go any further, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Mark Hayes and Gabby. Hayes, and uh, they're the director and the producer of the film Skid Row Marathon, which will be screening at the L.A. Film Festival on June 17th at the Arclight Theater in Santa Monica, and that is at at uh, noon on, the, on, on June 17th. So that is Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, this coming Saturday at the L.A. Film Festival. Well, um... What have you, sort of, as filmmakers, what has this sort of experience brought to you as filmmakers? Uh, Mark, As in terms of just your your career and you know, sort of tackling different sorts of uh, projects, what have, what have you learned from doing the Skid Row Marathon? Uh, well, we, we've done several other documentaries, mm-hmm. not really as big as this. Like, this is a feature-length documentary. Uh, I think again, the thing you learn is I talked about having the access. That's that's really a key yeah. ingredient to a good documentary. The other thing is uh, sometimes when I think back, I would have I would have bought maybe some more equipment for stabilizing the camera mm-hmm. since we were running and gunning all the time. 
hanging out of a car shooting. Uh, there's so many things. The technology keeps changing like every six months. But there's so many now reasonably priced stabilizing devices that really would have helped us. And I'm, I'm not talking about a steady cam, but like, you know, these little uh, uh, stabilizers mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. th these devices, you know, where you can, you can put the camera on them. They have like little gyroscopes or whatever they are. Yeah. This would have really helped us a lot. Well, uh, well I, just as a viewer, I, it, I didn't find anything about that that was distracting. I thought the film looked very good. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I, I, it was nothing that I didn't catch my notice. So, uh, but you're, but you're a filmmaker, and and I, I know these things probably jump out at you. But uh, no, I thought the film looked great. I thought you did a really nice job with that that part of it. I think the other thing that we learned also is you really, I mean, we we kind of knew this going in, but you really need to almost, even though it's a documentary, you have to really think of a script in a way, and, and an outline, yeah, and a structure. That and and uh, you know where you're kind of thinking things are going to go. You'll always be surprised. You'll probably have to wind up throwing most of it away, but it's always good to go in there with an idea of go. Okay, you know we're going to visit the judge. We're going to find out, you know what makes him tick. He was the most difficult character actually because at the beginning, he's he's one way, and at the end he's the same. He doesn't really change visibly. You mentioned before Ben, Ben at, at the beginning. He weighs 300 pounds. He's smoking. He's not taking care of himself. By the end, he's pretty fit. Yeah. You know, he's running marathons. He's he's accomplishing big things in his life. This is this is why people say, oh, he's a great character. He he has a, a like a, an arc, yes. so to speak. You yeah. know, David has an arc. Yeah. Rebecca has an arc. Raphael has an arc. The judge really has no arc. <laughs> but but back to the the outlining stage. Before we sat down to edit, we with Chavdar Gyorgiev, the editor, and Ben Dorman, also Yana Goroskaya, we had like a whole wall of index cards where we had cards of each scene that we shot and the scenes that we needed and where, where you really flesh out the story and see where, okay, things are not working here. Maybe you have too much stuff, too many scenes with a particular character. We, we have all the cards color-coded. Then you would say, okay, we need another scene with Raphael. We need another scene with David. So we would try to get, you know, you're going to be filming, you know, pretty much a, a lot of stuff, much of which will never wind up in the cut. But as you start accumulating material, you really have to start thinking as early as possible. Okay, you have this scene. Where do, what did you just learn? Now what do you film? Yeah. And you, you have to keep building almost as if it's a narrative. Yeah. So this is what we really learned. Perhaps we could have spent, even though it's, non-scripted because it's a documentary it really helps you if you at least outline it where you want it to go where you think the, the characters are going or and, and and as they start passing these milestones in their lives then you say okay what's the next thing what do i need to film next yeah what are, what kinds of scenes do we need okay do we do we need something funny is it all you know we're dealing with addiction homelessness people living in shelters but a lot of funny stuff happens. Yeah, you know, a, lo a lot of funny stuff. So I think when we hear sometimes some of the feedbacks from some of the the, the rough cut screenings, uh, we were pleased to find that people found oh there was a nice balance of of humor, mm -hmm. of emotional things that happen, and and hopefully it's a it's a satisfying viewing experience that will inspire people and and hopefully 
get them to get involved in their own communities yeah. in some way. Yeah. Gabby, anything to add? No, I think Mark really pretty much said it. I mean, yeah. you know, inspire others, you know, to get involved. I think that's yeah. our main goal to achieve with this film. Yeah, and I, I think that anything that moves the needle on people to see others a little bit more in, in a more humane, um, compassionate way is also a, a great takeaway from from your film. And I I just think that anytime that you can do that, it's uh, you've you've accomplished something. So uh, my hats off to you for that for that alone. And it's a good film, as I said, it's in the LA Film Festival for goodness sake. So. Uh, obviously, so other people think so as well. Um, I want to re- once again tell people if they want to find out more about the film, they can go to skidrowmarathon.com. That's skidrowmarathon.com. And it'll tell you about uh, the film, the runner stories, the press, as well as you can go to the L.A. Film Festival uh, on June 17th at the Santa Monica Arclight Theater at noon on the 17th, and you'll get a chance to watch Skid Row Marathon. Uh, I am going to guess that you'll be there for that screening. Of course, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll be there. I think people can get information, too, about the running club, everything, at our Facebook page. What, what is the Facebook page? Yes. Oh, yeah, Facebook, you know, Skid Row Marathon. Okay. The judge also started a nonprofit called the uh, Skid Row Running Club, and... Uh, you know, people, sometimes people, friends of ours and people who uh, are interested in the club, you know, they donate a little money and it goes towards uh, running shoes, which are not cheap. Yeah. If you run, you know, they, they can cost like 100 bucks a pair and towards, towards some of the trips. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for, for, for the time, your time, and for your film, Skid Row Marathon. I want to once again tell our listeners that we've been speaking with Mark Hayes, director of Skid Row Marathon, and Gabby Hayes, the producer of Skid Row Marathon. Thank you so much for being on Film School. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, Thanks. Thank Thanks you. very much, Mike. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.